Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am here with my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and Josh, my pussy gets so wet, you wouldn't even believe it. <laughs> you know, I'm always... some. I'm often amazed at, at what thing from the movie that we're about to talk about that you pick out to introduce yourself with. And it's, it's, that is not what I would have guessed. So what were, what were you thinking? Which way would I have gone today? I, I, I think it would have been more likely that you would have done the, uh, thank God for what I'm told is a very large penis, but, uh, I appreciate yeah. your, your gender fluidity there. Yeah. Why not? I, I mean, I could have been expelled from immaculate heart cause it's an all girls school. True. You know, so, True. um, but yeah, no, I'm going to stick with the with the one of the most jarring introductions <laughs> to a character in uh, cinema that I recall. Yes, so. indeed. So what movie is that jarring introduction from? Well, in this season finale of our season on the films of 1999, it is our audience choice episode, as it always is. And we had an epic battle. This time for the audience choice, we we put together not just a few choices, but 12 choices into a tournament yeah. that Jason designed because I don't know what tournaments are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah. And not just you uh, uh, from the popcorn and puzzle pieces group. Tony Strauss at one point was like, didn't I already vote for these movies? And I was like, had to explain that, yes, you did in the last round. And some of them have moved on to the next round. So you have an opportunity to vote again. I didn't realize that this was going to be such a difficult process. I mean, movie nerds don't know sports things. Yeah, I are there, but movie nerds know movies and there are lots of tournaments and movies. I suppose so. But, uh, blood sport. That is definitely the first thing that <laughs> one would come up with when you think of tournaments and movies, the wizard. Yeah. All, <laughs> all great films that we should talk about eventually. <laughs> So uh, we had 12 initial choices for, uh, thank you, for our teen movie tournament. And eventually uh, we had some close calls, but uh, eventually it came down to election from Alexander Payne. When I put the tournament together, I like seeded it like you would a, uh, you know, a, a basketball tournament. And my two number one seeds were American Pie and Election. And I think American Pie was like 1A and then Election would be 1B. And it's interesting that election, which blew out American Pie in the finals, is the winner because the whole audience choice category is teen movies. And this is not your typical teen movie, shall we say, Josh? Or what was that one? Not another teen movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, I don't even do you, I don't even necessarily consider this a teen movie. I just think, uh, but it's a very good commentary on teen movies, I think. Yeah, well, you designed the tournament of teen movies, so I don't know why you put something in there that you don't consider. Well, because it involves movie. high school and teenagers. <laughs> so, I mean, it does count. I'm just saying it doesn't fit into a lot of, like, the stereotypes of teen movies. No, that's true. And I think, actually, when we were first talking about this, we, we called it high school movies rather than teen movies, and then it kind of changed at some point. But, uh, yeah, there were some surprises here. I, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that this one was the winner because it's a movie, obviously, that a lot of people really like. Uh, we had one film, I think, that we were all surprised that made it very far. That was uh, Idle Hands. Yes, so, yes, which uh, we might have to watch. I've never seen it. But. Neither have I, but apparently a lot of our listeners have seen it or just wanted us to watch it for some reason. So, uh, But here we are instead at election, and I, I think this is a, this is a good choice. It's a, an excellent film, and I think it should be interesting for us to talk about. Yeah, I'm not going to go back and look at all 12 of the ones that we put in, but this is probably the best movie of the bunch. So. Kudos to you, yes, voters. Thank you, and thank you, everyone, for voting. You know, across all of these different uh, matchups over and over for the course of the season, we appreciate the continued interest and hope that you like the results. You stuck with it, even if it confused you, and that's that's what we love. So, election, um, despite being apparently uh, very popular among our listeners and in general. I mean, you put it as that top seed because you knew that people love this movie now. Wasn't necessarily a big hit when it was released. Uh, it grossed only $17.2 million on. And now this was the confusing thing because two of the, the main sources online that I uh, would look at for budget have very different figures for this. So either it was a budget of $8.5 according to the numbers, which makes it like, 
you know, a moderate performer, not great, but probably made its money back. Or according to Box Office Mojo, a budget of $25 million, which makes it a failure. So either way, it wasn't a huge hit, but it might not have been a huge failure. Right. And it was MTV Films through Paramount, so maybe, I wonder what the marketing budget was, but obviously we know they didn't know how to market this movie. Right. And MTV Films, I, I should have written it down. One of the reviews I looked at had mentioned a couple of previous productions. Joe's uh, Apartment. There you go. Uh, Dead Man on Campus, I think maybe. I mean, I feel like we have an entire spinoff series here on the MTV Films. <laughs> but the point being that they hadn't exactly, like you said, made movies like this that they wouldn't understand how to market this kind of film. Right. They They had marketed this one as like, the high school girl and her mom pull off the election scam of the century type thing, right? Or something along those lines. Yeah, I don't remember the advertising for it, but um, whatever it was, yeah, clearly didn't it didn't quite reach the audience that it was meant to reach, at least initially. Again, over time, uh, it certainly has reached its audience. And it was critically acclaimed, as well as got a lot of attention from awards. It was nominated for the Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar which it lost to the Cider House Rules, yeah. which we've talked about multiple Good times. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> you Thank. kings of New England, you princes of Maine. I think it's good, good night when he does Probably. that. I didn't even try to do Michael Caine that time. I just went with uh, some type of regal voice of sorts. Good enough. Yeah, Cider um, House Rules was a real was a real was a powerhouse yeah. this year. We've talked about it multiple times uh, related to all the uh, awards it won or was nominated for. John Irving, he wrote the screenplay from his book. And won an Oscar for it. So uh, it did, however, win the WGA's award for Best uh, Screenplay or Best Adapted Screenplay. It did very well at the Independent Spirit Awards, winning Best Feature, Best Director for Alexander Payne, and Best Screenplay. And Reese Witherspoon was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy and lost to Janet McTeer in Tumbleweeds, a movie I've never seen that seems to have kind of been forgotten. Me neither. Any other uh, favorite Janet McTeer movies, Josh? No, I mean, I would probably recognize her if I saw her, and I'm sure I have seen her in other things. I think she's an Australian actress. But that You was... would recognize her as in like, oh, she looks familiar, but you wouldn't be like, oh, that's Janet McTeer. Yeah, I think that's most likely what yeah. it would be. And then I'd watch the credits and I'd say, oh, yeah, Janet McTeer, that's who that was. Oh, yeah, Golden Globe winner Janet right, McTeer exactly. from for, tumbleweeds. For tumbleweeds, which I'm sure is a perfectly good movie, but not one that has endured clearly uh, in the way that this one. It's did. no cider house rules. Yeah, no, that's another one that's really just been completely forgotten uh, since winning all those Except awards. Except for our season where we keep bringing it up. Well, yeah. and, and even now, because we clearly don't know anything actually about it other than one line that you've probably I mangled feel, four times no. this season. <laughs> Michael Caine. Yeah, I've definitely ruined the line. That's fair. Uh, and Michael Caine and had I remember what Erica Badu and Heavy D. I Erica like, Badu and Heavy D were in that movie. Look it up, and if I'm right, Josh, you owe me a lunch. I yeah, wow. Okay, I guess it's possible. Um, maybe I'm thinking of it very differently than than it was. I also saw it. Anyway, Election is the movie we're talking about here. Um, and I think maybe speaking to Jason, your point about the mismarketing of this movie, it got a B minus from Cinema Score, the audience polling service. And that's not a great result for the people who were, uh, you know, eager to see it on the first opening night. So I wonder if maybe early audiences at least were a bit baffled by it. Jason's 100% right. Heavy D is in that movie? <laughs> you no owe idea. me lunch. Wow. All what right. should we get for lunch? What should we get for lunch? I don't, are we going to go to a cider house? Is that a place where you eat? <laughs> uh, well, if you're treating, I'll, I'll try. Okay. I don't even know what that is. I'll have the cider house lobster, please. That sounds like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so critics, however, were big fans of this film. Uh, Roger Ebert said, here is a movie that is not simply about an obnoxious student, but also about an imperfect teacher a lockstep administration, and a student body that is mostly just marking time until it can go out into the world and occupy valuable space. The movie is not mean-spirited about any of its characters. I kind of liked Tracy Flick some of the time, and even felt a little sorry for her. Alexander Payne doesn't enjoy easy targets and cheap shots. What he's aiming for, I think, is a parable for elections in general in which the voters have to choose from among the kinds of people who have been running for office ever since high school. Well, I mean, in that, in that regard, it kind of obviously harkens back to 
the source material, which is Tom Parada's novel, right? And he said uh, that he based it on two things, the 1992 presidential election where Ross Perot came in and was kind of like a disruptive third party person. I wonder if Perot hadn't been there, if Clinton probably would have lost that election. Man, this is not awesome politics here, so I could not <laughs> say. Not the, the last awesome uh, movie you're on the left here. Yeah. And then the other thing was in a Memorial High School in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, a pregnant student was elected homecoming queen, and the staff burned the ballots and said someone else won. So uh, I've performed in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I, uh, I did not know that to be the case, Josh. Okay. Thank you. I'm just, I gave you information and then you I did. brought something personal. You in. did. You really brought it all together there. I'm just, go on, Josh. Um, no, I, I also want to say it's uh, elsewhere in this review, uh, Ebert uh, outs himself as uh, a Tracy Flick in, in high school, um, the, the overeager, and tells a story about how he uh, complained that why were they studying the uh, short stories of Eudora Welty when he himself could write better stories? Boom. Take that, Eudora Welty. <laughs> well, I think he's more like, take that me in that anecdote because yeah. he's saying he was an idiot in high school. Um, so uh, Lisa Schwartzbaum in Entertainment Weekly said, Alexander Payne's scathing, subtle, and complexly funny tragic comedy builds a perfect off-kilter universe. It's a first cousin to Rushmore. And like Payne's 1996 gem, Citizen Ruth, Election is a sophisticated morality tale. The production benefits terrifically from Reese Witherspoon's great, steely performance, which inspires Matthew Broderick's striking, career-deepening turn as a sneaky adult. And Jason, as a big fan of Rushmore, do you feel like these are kindred I think, spirits? I think so, because, you know, um, again, going back to that, that book, uh, Best Movie Year Ever, Rafferty makes the point, like, you know, Max Fisher in some circles is like celebrated, right, for his ambition. But Tracy Flick, a female, is like looked down upon for being so ambitious. So it's kind of interesting. And again, I think you would both like you would say neither of those are really traditional teen movies, right? You're looking at uh, people who are more mature in some ways than their peers, but in some ways are definitely socially stunted. Right. And I would say... I know these reviews and I think the general consensus on this film is that Tracy Flick is like an unlikable character, but I liked Tracy Flick a lot more than I liked Max Fisher. I disliked them both. Fair enough. Fair enough. So finally, Michael Rechtstaffen mm. uh, in The Hollywood Reporter said, a winning sophomore effort from Citizen Ruth director Alexander Payne boasting a deliciously driven performance by ever-dependable Reese Witherspoon as a take-no-prisoners overachiever. This subversive suburban send-up is easily the best among the recent spate of teen screen candidates. Payne handles the swirling comic activity with deft aplomb, playfully integrating voiceovers, sustained freeze frames, and cleverly chosen musical cues to bitingly original effect. While the progressively twisted pace loses some of its adrenaline toward the end, 10 minutes less could have made a noticeable difference. It's a minor quibble. I didn't feel like it was too I don't long. Th I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think it was too long, but I, the, the part I do agree with him when I was watching it is like, oh, I like the way uh, Payne is manipulating the form, right? You know, those, ah, uh, like that sound effect and like kind of those freeze frames and that stock footage he would show. And it kind of made me, because now he's like very... I'd say more methodical or like contained with this filmmaking, right? Like every, there's no, um, it just seems all planned out. This seems like a little wilder, you know, like a little shaggier, like, you know, a little more anything goes. And I kind of want to see that from him again. Yeah, it maybe does. But on the other hand, it, it, it feels like all of those things that you just mentioned, the musical cues, the freeze frames, uh, the sort of dueling voiceovers, the editing in this film, like it's, it's really, really sharp. And I'm sure very meticulously planned, even if it, the effect is it's sort of wild and unpredictable to the viewer. Yeah. And yes, I, I wasn't saying like, he just slapdash this thing together. I'm just saying, I like that unpredictability of it. Right. No, I like that too. And it, it had been so long since I'd seen this that I remembered very, very little about it. And so a lot of this stuff, really surprised me the first moment in this movie with the freeze frame on Tracy Flick's face with the like worst possible expression I was just cracking up I and at that point I just 
was like in love you with you were this. in it to win it i had read that reese witherspoon not a fan of those freeze frames and but. i don't blame her but i mean i would give her credit for not you know uh wielding her movie star power or whatever and getting them taken out because they're definitely unflattering and but that's one of the best things in the movie and they he uses it multiple times to great effect very very yeah i agree with you and um you're saying movie star power. Do you think she was she a movie star at this point in time? See, I was while I was watching this, I thought, oh, this was like her breakout role. But she was a child actor. And so she had been a star for almost 10 years by this wow. point um, and had done like Freeway and I think a few right. other big things. So, sure, she wasn't the star that she is now, but she was maybe the biggest name in 1999 in this movie i don't know maybe no. not bigger than matthew Broderick. yeah i mean this was around the time he was doing godzilla and like you know he had had the, the home run after home run of the 80s you know all those teen movies and i mean she's a bigger star than he is now i'm not like, oh, this yeah. isn't an argument about that right but at the time i think broderick would be the top build maybe so but i i think she was certainly a, a a substantial star and like whether she had that kind of power maybe maybe not but she was a big deal to be in this film she's i mean I, at this point i was just thinking about this she's kind of underrated for as good as she is because she just doesn't miss with her performances right yeah she is and i think part of that is because she's this celebrity figure more than just being an actor and she has you know lifestyle brands and a lot of these things that big celebrities do now and people don't think of her just as far as her acting goes, but yeah, she's phenomenal in this film. Right. And the other thing about that is she's also like, um, you know, she's a mom. She seems to like care about actually taking care of her family and stuff. So she's not in the spotlight all the time. Um, but yeah, and her production company is one of the most successful in Hollywood. She's a, she's great. And Broderick is great in this movie. He is great in this movie. And um, as sort of alluded to in that review, this, even if he was successful uh, and in a lot of big things at the time, I, I think maybe he wasn't as respected amongst, you know, critics or whatever. And this was a role that really got him uh a lot more respect as an actor and, uh, you know, for his craft. I mean, he even, he even said at this point in time, he was looking for material to like, he wasn't the teenage, you know, wonder kid anymore, but he wasn't getting like good adult material. He wasn't in that next age range of like playing the dad. Right. So what's the in between, what's the good material for that. And, you know, this came along to him after, certain people had turned it down. I don't know if you know that. Josh. Oh, I know you always let us know it. about well, that. Well, uh, Payne had said like that, like because it's MTV through Paramount, they like required to make offers to people who just wouldn't, one would never do it and two wouldn't be right for it. So they had to go to like Tom Cruise, Tim Robbins name, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins could have done a good job. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think Tom Cruise is like very good actor he could have done it he just wouldn't uh, have yeah i mean i agree that tom cruise is a good actor but i you know this is just not the right part for him right so anyway it came to broderick and uh he did a, did, did a they all did such a bang up job on this one i would say even chris klein like when i was watching i'm like this is chris klein's best work it it is and his first work as well i mean he was discovered for this film essentially yeah so, um, but I agree all the acting across the board from a whole bunch of, you know, small character actors who aren't well known. Everyone is perfectly cast in this. Film. Yeah. Yeah. So did you see this when it came out? Yeah. This is back in when I was at BU Boston university and I saw everything and I got to see everything in advance because of the, you know, previews that would always come and I saw it and I didn't get it. And I was like, man, I don't like this movie. What? Which is very strange because it's like, you know, a comedy, it's subversive, it hits like, and I was just like, oh, this is not good. And then I had this, I had a crush on this girl, Jen Tidings. Uh, I used to call her dream girl. And then she wanted to see it one night and, uh, and we went and while um, none of my romantic uh, hopes ever panned out with her i did get to see this movie again in the theater with her and liked it oh so, yeah. nice thank so, you jen Titus. yeah so i'd say that was you know the two years of uh, pining away for her were well worth it so, <laughs> um but um but no i i and now i really like this movie just i really really like it yeah and so um i remember i think as you're talking about the the poor marketing for this movie i think i was excited for this movie because you had introduced me 
to Citizen Ruth, Alexander Payne's first film. Go on. That was something that you, one of your blockbuster discoveries that you and I had watched together, which wasn't a big hit or a well-known film with uh, Laura Dern in that main role. And we had watched it and both really liked it. And so I was already like, oh, this is the new movie from that guy who made that movie. And I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think I probably saw it on home video when it was released, you know, first on home video. But I definitely liked it a lot at the time. And I, like I said, I'm pretty sure I hadn't seen it since then, but I just loved it this time. That's like, good. Really loved it. You know, and I haven't seen Citizen Ruth in probably since we watched it, but yeah. I think tonally this is a different, different, it's a shift, right? You know? Yeah. Although Citizen Ruth is also very dark and satirical, I think. Yeah. Um, and there are the political uh, inclinations there as well. But yeah, I, I would always be on the lookout. Uh, you know, I had heard of that movie and Alexander Payne and, um, I just, yeah, I didn't connect with this the first time, but um, it is a natural progression. And I think uh, one of still his best movies. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. So, Dave, did you see this when it came out? I did. I saw this in the theater, I'm sure of it. And uh, I, I saw it a few times back then. I loved it back then. And this has been my first time seeing it, though, in like probably 10 years. And it's it holds up. It's so lovely, well. right? It's a lovely, easy so watch. Yeah. yeah. No, I was, I, I, again, cause it'd been so long. I think I was maybe unsure of how much I wanted to see this. And there were some other good potential choices that I would look forward to, but I'm really glad that we ended up with this. one. Yeah. And I, I when I say lovely, it's lovely for us to watch it as a movie. You would not describe it as lovely. Right. No, yeah, no, it's a very, time. it's a dark, uh, sort of uh nasty kind of film yeah but, which is uh, great yeah like, absolutely so uh anything else on the background you want to mention jason well parata we mentioned he's just another guy who just hits home run after home run it seems like with his writing that gets turned into films you know the little children and then the leftovers when he wrote this josh uh and this might be one thing i have to take alexander payne to task for he said it in new jersey <laughs> <laughs> and Payne moved it to Nebraska. And I don't know how I feel about that. No, I get I get why he did it. And we obviously know Alexander Payne loves Nebraska. So that was interesting. And other than that, you know, he shot this. He went and found a high school that was actually in session because he wanted to shoot it kind of with that hyper realism and the sets like they would go to people's houses and they wouldn't like move stuff, <laughs> you know, just kind of interesting. I think it, uh, you do get a good um get a good look at Omaha here. And uh, lastly, Josh, you know, I'm always uh, looking for other reviewers, not the typical reviewers. Uh-huh. And I found yet another one since this isn't about an election. Barack Obama said this is his favorite political movie. Do we think Barack Obama is a Tracy flick? <laughs> you see, no, because Obama is so likable. Right, right. But does he, he have that sort of like, was, was Obama the guy raising his hand eagerly first in class every time. I feel uh, like he was. I mean, they were both raised by single parents as far as I can tell. You know, yeah. I have seen m multiple movies about Barack Obama's life. Yeah. Um, they're not very uh, election-like. No. Uh, no. I could see him having some similar qualities. I feel like, though, you know, I don't see Tracy Flick as a community leader like Obama was, right? He could get people to rally behind it. Whereas Tracy Flick, as we see at the end of the movie, she's already working for a senator and working her way up through other people's, you know, kind of machines to get to where she's going. Whereas Obama is his own machine. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I feel like there maybe are some, some similar qualities enough for him. To and this is why you listen to awesome movie. <laughs> I don't know any other podcast that is comparing president Barack Obama to Tracy Flick. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> so we'll come back in a moment and talk about our general thoughts on election. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this season finale of our season on the films of 1999, we're talking about our audience choice pick, which is Alexander Payne's election. And as I've been saying before, I'll just say that, like, I just loved this this time. Like, I think this is the best movie we've talked about this whole season. And that, wah, 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 wah. that, that includes my pick that I made for Fight Club. Um, yeah. Everything about this movie is just brilliant. Like, I, there was nothing I didn't like. I have no criticisms. 
ah, keep going. This is fun. I usually have to defend movies against you, but I yeah. like this. No, I like other movies. We've, uh, we've talked about a lot of good movies this season. Yeah, well, 1999 yeah. was a seminal year. No, I just think this is, it, it's it's great because it's an effective satire. And, you know, we just mentioned Barack Obama liking it as a political movie. And sure, it is a political movie and you can draw the connections to modern politics and and actual elections, you know, for real uh, statewide, national, local, whatever offices, but it doesn't beat you over the head with the idea that it's this allegory, and it doesn't neglect the very specific characters and locations and situations that right. are here in order to just make some sort of political point. And the characters here are just so well drawn. The performances are all fantastic. The way that it's woven together, like I was saying before, with the different voiceovers, I forgot that uh, Tammy the uh, lesbian sister of Chris Klein's character even existed. I mean, again, I, it's been so long that I didn't remember very much. And she's a great character too. I mean, she doesn't get mentioned, but she has her own perspective. She has her own whole character arc. That's really fascinating. Um, the visuals, the way that it, it shows you Omaha in the homes and just the, the kind of run down, very lived in looking locations. Um, yeah, and it's very, very funny. So I just loved it. I mean, Dave, I think we could go for a hot tub and a fuck and then just give it to, <laughs> as, uh, as Paul and Lisa did, right? Yes, you know, they did. So, they did but, indeed. Because Josh just covered the whole movie. Then, so, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, you, I, did you like it? Yeah, I really, I really like it. It's okay. so funny. Yeah. You know? um, I think the main point is, and we've talked about kind of the unique devices he's using, like, um, when you're talking about Tammy, right, you have that interesting, uh, almost French style montage at the beginning with her and Lisa. And then he kind of bookends that with Jennifer and everything. And I, I love that. I think that was great. Um, I think the characters, what really makes it succeed, not just um, the performances, but how well drawn, as you said, the points of view are so clear on each character, right? And that's tough to do, to get every character's perspective right all the time. And uh, I also like the unexpected stuff, like when Mr. McAllister, Matthew Broderick, accuses Tracy of ripping down the posters and they're kind of having that conversation of like, well, certain people better not do this because this might happen. And Tracy really like ends up alpha-dogging him like, uh, that that's a really, really interesting scene where she just is backed into a corner and just kind of tears his face off. Yeah. And, and, and to me, like I was saying, I think Tracy Flick is considered unlikable. I mean, including by most people who like this movie and probably by Alexander Payne and even Reese Witherspoon, I would imagine. And, and that's true in that I might not want to like hang out with Tracy Flick, but I really admired and appreciated her in this film a lot. And I felt like she, like I kind of rooted for Tracy here. Well, you're a climber, Josh. You'll, do, <laughs> you'll step on anyone to yeah. get, you're so ambitious. Right. Um, no, I'm going to disagree with you. And Reese Witherspoon did say that she grew up with a girl in Nashville who was always just talking about herself and what she was doing. And she's like, oh, and now I get to play this person that right. I get, right? Right. Um, you know, the the reason I can't agree with you is because she never takes any responsibility for anything, right? And I kind of wanted to see that when, but you see the opposite. She'll always squirm her way out. You know, Tracy Flick is a is a pre-Trump president, if you ask me. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think that's sort of true. And that's certainly the larger point. I mean, obviously, Trump, you know, well, he existed, but as a politician, wasn't around at this time. But, you know, when we get, if we want to fast forward all the way to the end, and like you were talking about, there she is as some sort of aid to a congressman. And I'm sure it's not an error that or random that uh, the on-screen text identifies that as a Republican right. congressman. And absolutely, I mean, I would argue that maybe Tracy Flick is more, is uh, smarter than Trump. And, you know, she's, she's definitely smarter than Trump. That's not a good argument, Josh. Right. So. No, no, I, I, I would just, I would just say that she's someone who is more careful and considered about the things that she does and why she does them. But but you're not wrong about that. She certainly is not a figure that, having seen this movie, you would think, boy, I hope she becomes the president. Right. 
of the, you know, United States, not just the senior class. What do you think? I, and it was interesting to me because, you know, it's a, a high school teacher has an affair with a student. And I think they are very clear, like, hey, bad. <laughs> right. Bad. Yes, yes. But then later in the movie, I thought it was interesting towards the end that like Tracy was like, uh, sometimes I, I wonder what Dave's doing. Maybe he wrote his novel and it's it in a way it was kind of sad because it just showed how disconnected she was from everyone else that she knew. But I thought it was really effective. Yeah, I mean, the portrayal of that and, you know, we've talked not only in this season, but across our seasons about things that don't hold up or that definitely would not be done a certain way now. Um, and when they started introducing that, I thought, oh, God, this is something that is really just going to seem really bad from our perspective in 2021. And it does not at all. It holds up completely. And I think but it's also not just like you were saying, like, bad, bad. It's not just them, you know, broadly painting it. It's 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 very nuanced that it's clear that it was bad that this teacher did something that was unconscionable and a hundred percent wrong. And it's completely his fault and he deserves every punishment that he got and probably more. Um, but the way that Tracy sees it where, you know, she is naive as, as McAllister kind of throws at her, but it's true. And that just because she expresses this, like, Oh, it really was a, you think he took advantage of me, but he really didn't doesn't mean that that is true. And that Tracy's perspective is all kind of, it's nuanced, it's complex. And I like that about this a lot. Yeah. You think they would ever get back in touch with it? Would it be a Mary Kay Letourneau situation down the line? I don't know. Well, I think not. If only for the, the brief flash there when she does express towards the end, like, I wonder what he's doing and whether he wrote his novel. And we see that he is he's at just, a supermarket. Yeah. He's a supermarket yeah. uh, checker or whatever that. No, he is not worthy of Tracy Flick. Right. She wouldn't, even if she felt a certain way about him, the social stratosphere that she's ascending to would not accept that. Right. No. And, and she wouldn't. But, but I did like that portrayal, that I didn't think it was letting him off the hook in any way. I don't think it did either. But it still showed that there's a complexity of, of thought about that on the part of the characters and that you as an audience can draw your own understandings. I liked that the women looked like real women in this movie, right? You didn't, they looked like they would be suburban women. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't go and cast like movie stars who look like, you know, movie stars, so to speak. I thought that was uh, a good move. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, that, that's certainly true. And there is a scene where uh, McAllister is sort of lusting after his, uh, his best friends. Yeah. Lisa, yeah. who is the wife of the friend who's been disgraced by his affair and now they've gotten divorced and McAllister is kind of hot for her. And there's a, a POV shot of him like sort of leering at her and you see her, her butt in these really extremely unflattering mom jeans. And I liked that that was sort of, that was what McAllister was lusting after. <laughs> That's interesting. I think, um, you know, the other, the other aspect of that is the beast thing where just he's so obsessed with her, he refuses to get a clearly infected bee sting checked out because he has to continue to push for, uh, for Lisa Novotny. Yeah, and um, so you're right. And I think, I think though, the idea of the, the sort of non-glamorous portrayal, it extends to everything. I mean, it extends to the male characters. Yeah, yeah. It extends to the environments, uh, like you're talking about the sets. I mean, I loved some of the details, like the Novotny's house and uh, when Dave brings Tracy back there for their uh, big night of lovemaking, when he puts on the uh, once, twice, three times a lady on the stereo, and as he's seducing her, you see the crib of his child, like <laughs> prominently in the frame. And then later in the movie, when McAllister mm. and Lisa are hooking up in the same house, you see the crib in the frame there again. And that's just such an effective detail of like what these people's lives are and the, the, the environments that they live in. I just loved it. Man, this is a, this is a tough episode because uh, Josh loves everything. <laughs> Who would have thought? It's so good, this movie. And you guys only 
briefly touched on Chris Klein. I mean, I think he's so funny and so good. It's insane. I didn't realize it was his first role. That's he's so crazy. innocent, he's right? He's so good. Yeah. And to me, maybe the funniest moment of this movie and one of the funniest moments ever, really, after that whole metaphor of his favorite fruit is a pear, but he also likes apples, and then, oh, <laughs> yeah. but I also like bananas, when he gets home and he reaches for a banana. But like, yes. That's the most perfect joke. And there's mm. so many beautiful, like, small moments like that where you catch them. I mean, it's obviously very deliberate, yeah. but you have to be paying attention to catch them. And yeah, I love that. And he is very, he's perfect for the role. And maybe one reason why Chris Klein never had a huge career is that he's perfect for the role of the dumb but good-hearted guy. And that is sort of, that was really the only role he was ever really perfect for. Um, but yeah, he's great. I mean, the scene of him and his O-face to go back to office space. <laughs> Are you has, talking about the uh, where he says, the voiceover where he says, I didn't expect... Lisa to give me a blowjob. Yes. And you see her giving him this blowjob and the look on his face is just so hilarious. And it's this like pure unadulterated joy. Like when he says, <laughs> I didn't expect Lisa to give me a blowjob, you know that like he really never even conceived of this idea in his mind. It's, it's interesting because Tracy, like we said, is so uh, is scheming and thinking so many steps ahead. And Chris Klein is so in the moment and seems to never think ahead. Right, right. No, he never. Paul. Paul, right, yes. Paul Metzler. Um, but yeah, he's perfect. Um, and I think we should give credit to uh, Jessica Campbell. Um, I uh, think, yeah. Who plays Tammy. Uh, Tammy. And this was also her first role. And she's really good in that part, too. And that's a character who, you know, by the time we get to Tammy, it's like she's the fourth main character, the fourth one to get her own voiceover and could be overshadowed. And I, I don't think that she is. Right. And I think they treated her sexuality also in a very fair way, considering the time period as well. Yeah, I think so, too. And that was another thing that when it started and I hadn't remembered, oh, this is a, a gay character. Like, how are they going to handle this? How are they going to portray it? But I thought it was it was really well done. And you get the honesty of how would that be in Nebraska in 1999 with Lisa, her friend who is you know, whether she's in denial or is just uh, not interested, but has to sort of go in the exaggerated other direction in order to prove that she's not really right. a lesbian and all this kind of stuff. And it never made fun of her for being a lesbian. It makes fun of her for, as you were saying earlier, for sort of immediately falling in love with people and then immediately falling in love with someone else, which is a, a trade of school thing. Yeah, a very teenage thing, a very is a universal thing. But it's never about, oh, ha ha, she's gay. You know who I really like, Josh? And I'm going even further down the, the cast line here. I thought uh, Phil Reeves as Principal Walt Hendricks was oh, yeah. just, he just, it's, I don't know. He's a very, he works a lot, that guy. But I just, he was perfect in this thing. Yeah. All, all of the, the, and there's a lot of uh, very recognizable character actors. Uh, Matt Malloy's yes. in it and doesn't have a line. I think he might have had one line at one yeah. point as the like, I don't even know what is he like? Assistant, the assistant principal? principal? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Holmes Osborne, who plays Paul and Tammy's dad, is in a million things. Um, uh, Molly Hagan, who plays uh, McAllister's wife, um, uh, always on tons of TV. Like a lot of really great character actors in this film. And and again, Payne's eye for people who look like real people. Like yeah, there's saying. that line where the Metzlers are angry at Tammy and he goes, I just got off the phone with Principal Hendricks at home. You right. know, like he called yeah. him at home. And <laughs> right. It's just so the specificity is really great. Yeah, this. I think that's the thing is that this the specificity of this film is what really grabbed me. OK, Josh. So uh, you said you don't have a criticism of it. I tell me what you think about the ending. I, I like the ending a lot. I mean, I, I would say if I had a criticism, it would be not that the movie is too long, but it feels like it has like a lot of epilogue. And maybe I didn't need that much. But every detail in the epilogue is great. I mean, going again to like there's there's a bit where so Tracy early in the film talks about how Coke is the most popular brand of soft drink in the world, but it still needs. To they advertise. Spend the most, yeah, they yeah. spend the most on it. Right, right, exactly. In reference to her being unopposed in the election, but still needing to campaign. And we see then right afterwards that McAllister, of course, when he's sadly at home watching his little uh, VHS porn, 
is drinking a Pepsi. And again, at the end of the movie, when he's sightseeing in Washington, D.C., and he spots Tracy with her congressman that she works for, what is he holding? He's holding a Pepsi. And just little details like that that like bring things full circle or show that a character hasn't changed without having to tell you anything about it. I really like. Yeah. Now, Josh, you had mentioned the Lisa character, how she, it's interesting because her ending is interesting, even though she's a very minor character, because she left Paul for like one of his frat brothers there, which is another like, hey, I have to go not only break up with you, but do something to stab a knife in your heart so you know I'm broken up with you. <laughs> right. And I don't know if that was meant to be another expression of her like performative heterosexuality or if it was that she's just a, a kind of a bitch, but either one works. <laughs> um, okay, so the ending, fine, I like it, but the ending that I had read that they didn't go with, I think was uh, perfect, and I know they didn't agree with me. Is, is this ending from the novel? Uh, this is the ending from the novel, and I think they actually shot it, and what, for whatever reason, they didn't test well or whatever. So now Mr. McAllister is a car salesman working for one of his former students, which I like. And Tracy Flick comes up to him, you know, at the car dealership or wherever, and they talk and, you know, they kind of sort things out. Like, I'm sorry, and I'm glad you're doing well. And then she says, will you sign my yearbook, Mr. McAllister? And he says, yes. And he opens it and it's, there's no one else who has signed it, which I know she references, but I think like that's a perfect representation of, just both, you know, where they are at in life. I'm pretty sure that exists. I think I saw it before. Oh, is it something on like a DVD that I you can watch? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just flooding back to me now. I completely forgot about yeah, it. Yeah. I love that ending. They thought it was too just dark, I guess. See, I feel like that ending is less dark than the ending in the film, because if we have McAllister and Tracy kind of making up and mending fences, like what's great about the ending now when he just sees her from afar and claims in voiceover that he doesn't even care about her anymore, but clearly does and throws the drink at the car. Like that's dark because it shows he hasn't moved past this. Right. But he does, you know, he, uh, I mean, he's seems to always try to put the foot forward to spin his life going. All right. Right. But he's got a new woman. He's got a job where he's convinced himself that he's teaching again. Right. Right. I think if he's not teaching and he's working for a former student, you know, I think, and he's still in Omaha. I think there's something sadder about that. Yeah, maybe that, but I, but that, that's, that's fair. But I think the, the connection between him and Tracy that you're describing in that, I think the, the, the dynamic between the two of them is, is darker and better in the version that we get. I guess I, I guess to me, the effectiveness is more on the Tracy side. If the, the last thing we see of her is, will you sign my yearbook? And it, it, there's no one else who has signed it, you know? Right. Although again, like you said, there, it really is heavily implied in an earlier scene that that's the case when she picks. Yeah. Up I just, I, I mean, it's in voiceover as yeah. opposed to what I think would have been better, you know, just the, the showing of it in that instance. But, yeah. But hey, you know, we're, we're, we're as nitpicky as can be. We all like this movie. Sure, sure. And I mean, the only other thing I want to say about that is that if you have that ending, you lose the, the sort of political point there when you see her as that aide to an actual congressman and that he's a Republican. And I mean, that's maybe the most overtly political moment in the movie that takes us beyond the student election. But I think it's it's a good button on like the larger point that they're making. Yeah. And OK, that's fair. Mine, I, I'm looking at the emotional crux and I feel like so, you know, hey, man, whatever. No, that's fair. Did you have any other uh, criticisms? Not not really. I like the movie a lot. We all like the movie a lot. It might get a little uh, repetitive if we keep saying that. Right. But um, no, it's just a fun movie. I agree with you. I'm glad that they were able to crystallize those four points of view. So, you know crystally so clearly Josh. yeah i know yeah. you know i know how to talk thank you um but yeah no i i like it and um and i'm not surprised that mtv films messed it up yeah no that makes perfect sense so although i mean i feel like this does not it's not entirely off from certain mtv products like daria or something like that there were sophisticated things on mtv i just want my pants back <laughs> Your favorite show. <laughs> I like that show. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about this film, Dave? Uh, I think you guys covered it all. I mean, the score's great. We didn't mention that. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, I think we covered it. Yeah. Beautiful. So uh, should we rate this out of uh, five campaign posters? Sure. 
gets four campaign posters from me. I'm going to give it four and a half campaign posters. Oh One of them is God. torn. I thought we were going <laughs> to get that fifth campaign. I don't know. I might. I, it was close. I just really was, was, was blown away by this. So, Dave? I'm going all the way to five. All right. Yeah. Nice. All well, switched roles. I think this might be the overall most highly rated film we've talked about this season. Be. Amadeus yeah. was... Was that was there. I mean, this season, but uh, oh, this season, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in a I mean, you know, in a season when we keep talking about how many great movies there are, yeah, and uh, we've talked about a lot of not only great movies but movies that are beloved classics among film fans. Like this, this is your favorite of the whole season. I think so. so. Again, I love Fight Club, and I'm glad that I picked it. Um, and it has sort of more personal resonance for me, just having seen it so many times. But yeah, I think this one Dave, is a better film. Any favorites. I don't know. This is up there. This is really up there. But I was just thinking at the end of season 10, we should uh, make like a ranking, figure out what we rated the most, like the top five or something. Yeah, you we, should definitely do that. Yeah. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen to every episode again yeah. and get that. Just gave you don't have homework. to listen to every episode. Right. It's the last, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, hey, I would say to me, just so we're going to round this thing out, Office Space, American movie right there. Uh, maybe Office Space is my favorite. This I season. mean, all great choices, really. Yeah. So we'll come back in a moment and talk about the legacy of election. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in this season finale of our season on the films of 1999. We've been talking about our audience choice pick, Election. And we can go through uh, the legacy here. So many big name people involved in this film who went on to do great things. I mean, maybe start with Alexander Payne. Uh, as we talked about Citizen Ruth, his first film wasn't really a big hit or it was more of a cult thing, I guess I could say. Um, but from here, um, I mean, he's become one of the most acclaimed directors around, even though he's not very prolific. Um, but went on from this to make About Schmidt, which I remember loving. I think that yeah. might have been my number one movie of the year, the year that came out. Sideways, which of course was nominated for a million Oscars. Yeah, and and one uh, adapted screenplay, right? I yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, that's. I think that's my least favorite. I haven't seen Downsizing, but Sideways, I just did not like. But again, I didn't like this one at first, so maybe I got to rewatch that. Yeah, Sideways is something that, I mean, I don't think I've seen it since it first came out, and I did like it a lot then, but that's something that there's definitely been a certain backlash to, so it'd be interesting to, to revisit. Um, I mean, all of these movies I've only seen, really, uh, when they were first released, but I liked that. I liked The Descendants with George Clooney, uh, Nebraska. Loved which is, great. yeah, great. And with uh, Bruce Dern and Will Forte, which was also a big awards film. And I have seen Downsizing, which is not very good. Yeah, people say that's, I mean, universally thought of as his worst movie. Uh, Descendants, he also won Best Screenplay for, and he was nominated three times for Best Director. Hasn't won yet. And hopefully, he's, he's one of these directors who, again, he's not very prolific, and he has a lot of projects that seem, for whatever yeah. reason, not to be... Uh, come to fruition. So whatever he does next, I, I'm looking well, forward to. What I saw what he's doing next actually sounds somewhat like Election, which is called The Holdovers, and it's Paul Giamatti, and he is, I think, uh, a teacher, and it's him and like a 15-year-old student who might be his son, and then um, the African-American uh, cook at the school, and they're like uh, kind of positioned together, and you know they have to stay together a weekend somewhere or something along those lines. I mean, I hope it gets made, whatever it is, whether it's that or something else, just to, to go forward. I just saw, like, just recently released this HBO series, Landscapers, which was great. And looking into that when I was reviewing it, he was apparently initially set to direct it. And uh, this, the ultimate style in that series is not like him at all. And uh, I don't know what he would have done yeah. with it. But he has a lot of things that just don't happen. And he's, produ reason. he's produced a lot of things. But I agree with you. I think, like, the way he tells stories is... Um, prime for a streaming limited series. I, I you know, um, whatever it is, I think it, it, that type of storytelling really works for that. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see something, you know, um, hey, get off the ground. Hear that, Alexander? Josh wants to see. Yeah, working. Um, and we talked about Reese Witherspoon, one of the biggest stars in the company world. for yeah. like $700 million. And yeah, she, she is. And she is so talented. She is. And I think after this, because she became so popular between this and more so maybe Legally the Blonde. Legally Blonde movies, 
she did a lot of safe, not all that interesting kind of romantic comedies um, and maybe didn't stretch or challenge herself as an actor as much for quite a while. But, you know, maybe a, a comeback of sorts in Wild, which I think is just fantastic. And she's so good. In well, that film. she she's the whole movie. I yes. mean, it's and that's not to discount anyone else, but that is really a one person performance and it's her yeah and she's great in that but i mean she also won the oscar for walk the line didn't she uh if, if she didn't win she was certainly nominated i think she won yeah, yeah i think so too and that's that's good but i feel like that's the kind of performance and the kind of movie that's just like basic oscar stuff yeah now um, i don't watch uh, the morning show but i i think it's kind of uh getting more and more steam behind it, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly notable. Um, I, I saw like a couple episodes at the beginning of the first season and wasn't crazy about it, but she was fine in it. I mean, more so uh, TV-wise, she's great on the first season of Big Little Lies as a character Ooh, who's, so good. who's kind of Tracy Flick-esque. Yeah, man, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't, that had, for some reason, I forgot about that. That for... And I didn't watch the second season specifically because the first season was so great and there was nothing to base the second season on. And I guess it fell off in the second season. But that first season is uh, one of the great limited series of the last, you know, five, ten years, I'd say. I agree. That first season is so fantastic. And I mean, in a in a cast full of great actors giving great performances, to me, she was the one who stood out. And she's still really good in the second season. Um, I mean, it overall has a lot of issues, but her performance is not. You know, what's interesting about that is um, Shailene Woodley is also very good in that. I, you know, she, we were introduced to her in The Descendants. So there's that Alexander Payne connection. There. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she had done, I think she was on that teen show, the, the Secret that? Life of the American Teenager. There you go. Yeah. That. So bad. Right. So, so like a great hate watch. And so it yeah. had that reputation, but Alexander Payne kind of looked at that and said she can do this serious big film role alongside George Clooney and and he was right so yeah. well I never watched that show so sorry I guess Dave did I never did either I, we totally watched it all right it's great yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and Matthew Broderick as we said you know I was looking at him he made two movies in 1999 election and Godzilla no no Godzilla was in 98 oh he made Election and Inspector Gadget. Yeah, that was, I never saw it, but that's such a bummer to me because all these like cartoons that we grew up with, um, you know, have gone on and become huge franchises. And it seemed like Inspector Gadget would be like one of the coolest ones to make. And it just wasn't. But look, he's always working. He's in another movie called She Came to Me. Uh, he's starring as um, uh, one of the Sacklers in Painkiller, the second uh, limited series to come out about the awful human beings that are somewhat responsible, if not fully responsible for the oxy, you know, kind of, I guess you would call it a epidemic, I guess, or whatnot. And Josh, let's talk about one of our favorite movies in the last few years to dust, which in a way is kind of a characters are similar him and McAllister and to dust is one of the great hidden gems of the last few years. I agree. And to me, one of the reasons why I, that movie is notable and his performance is so notable is that it was like the first good performance of his since election. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not going to. He's so... You got to remember, like, he just shot out of the cannon, right, with, like, the Neil Simon stuff on Broadway and then just hit a bunch of home runs as a teen actor, right? Um, you know, Ferris Well, Ferris Bueller, Bueller is great, yeah. Don't like war games? I mean, I haven't seen war games since <laughs> I was, like, 11 He was a huge teen star, yes, right? yeah. And he was, you know, kind of a little different than the other teen stars, I'd say. He wasn't, like, Brad Packy or whatever. Right. And he no. works on Broadway on stage a lot, and maybe he's had more success there than in films uh in the last right years. so i mean i think don't don't underestimate his capabilities no i mean i think that is maybe one of the things is that he is not living up to those capabilities in these crappy you know hollywood movies nice. or low budget things or whatever yeah i mean and i'm sure part of that is is choices like you were talking about leading up to election where he's not getting offered the kinds of roles that would allow him to shine but it's a, it's it's a shame. Remember when he was married to Sarah Jessica Parker? He's still married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Is that true? Yeah. I don't know. I'm like 99% sure that that's true. That just doesn't seem like a couple I'd want to hang out with. I mean, but they're still a couple. 
Nah, I'm not sure about that. I thought I they got. I think divorced. they are. I definitely think they are. So All right, we'll uh, we'll, we'll table that for the moment. And um, <laughs> you're talking about Chris Klein, who again, sturdy TV star. He's on a lot of shows. You know, I remember him from Wilfred, and you know, he works. He works. He does work. Yeah, I mean, definitely between this and American Pie, it seemed like he had what a year a position to be this big star, and really that didn't happen. But but yeah, he works he works steadily at kind of a low level. Um, and I just want to mention his performance in the film that Dave may have seen, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, um, which is one of the most notoriously bad performances of all time. And like there are viral videos that are just compilations of his performance in that film and is hilariously awful. That sounds awesome. Yeah, those compilations are great. I've never actually seen the movie, but they are really funny. <laughs> yeah, just look up these the supercuts of, of Chris Klein in Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, which I sadly have seen the whole movie. <laughs> so, Josh, talk about two other people. Uh, Tammy was played by uh, Jessica Campbell, who I mentioned I think is great and she didn't really do much as an actor. She was in a couple of other things and then moved on, became a uh, naturopathic physician. But sad story, she died in December 2020 of yeah. unknown causes. A weird thing. I remember that. It was like a crazy thing. I, I, she was very good on Freaks and Geeks. She was Seth Rogen's love interest, and I believe she was a hermaphrodite, and that was the first time that I had seen that. No, I don't remember that, but that's interesting. I mean, that's what I that's what I recall. But yeah, what what a sad uh sad story here. Yeah, and we mentioned Parada. Uh, Little Children was an awesome movie, if I remember correctly. That's Kate Winslet, Jackie Earl Haley, right? I really liked that movie. You didn't like it, or I remember not liking it. It's very melodramatic and heavy and overwrought, and I feel like it's the opposite of the the tonal balance that this movie achieves. Yeah, um, I liked it. I mean, he's he shows he's clearly got range as a writer. How about The Leftovers? Uh, people love that show. I never watched it. Oh, okay. Oh, for some reason, I thought you were a fan of that show. Yeah, I got to watch it. So. All right. Yeah. No, I. that's a show that people do love, and it has a very dedicated following. I watched a few episodes at the beginning of it and wrote a review and didn't care for it and never watched the rest of it and then saw it become this kind of uh, phenomenon. So maybe something to revisit. But at the time, I, I didn't care for it. And again, super, super heavy downer to me it was like very heavy-handed and i was i was coming at it from the perspective of damon lindelof being the showrunner and having like lost and wanting something like that and it's maybe that was the problem it wasn't like that you can't box in the lindelof josh yeah favorite alexander payne movie um i mean not having seen them since uh, my initial viewing my guess would be about schmidt which i like i said i remember really really loving and probably putting it number one, but watching this again now, I might say it's this. Dave? Yeah, I'd probably go with this, but uh, about Schmidt's great and Nebraska's great. Yeah, I might say this too, but I would, I think Nebraska's right up there for me. I mean, so many, like for someone who hasn't made that many movies to have made that many great ones is, is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. So Dave, most importantly, is Matthew Broderick still married to Sarah Jessica Parker? Did you find out? Spouse, Sarah Jessica Parker. Good yeah. pick for an audience choice. The audience, you chose a good pick. Thank you again to everyone who uh, voted. We got a lot of votes for really every round of this. More, I think, than we get in a lot of our audience choice polls. So obviously, teen movies of 1999. 1999 is a year that resonates in people. A lot of our listeners, this is our demographic, Josh, you know. They were probably teens or that, about that age at this time. Yeah, I suppose that's true. So uh, thanks, everyone for that and for listening this whole season that is election and that is this episode of awesome movie year you can follow us on social media you can um jason harris comedy or jay harris comedy on all the stuff i don't know if i have a website you can just throw it in the garbage like two discarded votes if i do uh we're awesome movie year on uh facebook and instagram awesome movie pod on twitter awesome movie my website also probably belongs in the trash, joshbellhateseverything.com. 
Uh, also, Josh Bell hates everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And I might as well throw in a little plug for Bird Road, my other podcast, since we got a little political today. Yeah, politics. You 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 would uh, have more uh, to offer on the political content there than we Probably did Probably not, time. but Q would. Yeah. So listen to Berg Rogue. <laughs> Berg Rogue, <yeah. laughs> What's in our next episode, Josh, Jason? we got to wrap up the season, put a little bow on it, and we do that with an epilogue, Josh. So that's what's coming up, the epilogue. And I think in the epilogue, we will reveal what we're doing for season 10. Yeah, that and more. We have a lot of cool stuff coming up. So tune in next time for our 1999 epilogue. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.